Well, hello, everybody. It's good to see you all. And hello to everybody in Delton and Middleville. And uh, glad you're with us, those who are joining online as well. Uh, I'm, this isn't in my notes. I'm just going to start with a little story. So uh, last Tuesday, I was working at the Delton campus. They have work parties there, like Tuesdays and, and uh, Thursday nights. And so I was there to work party, and I was working, and the storm rolled in. And uh, we were up on the roof, and we decided we, you know, we needed to get off the roof. So we got off the roof, and we wrapped everything up, and, and we left. And on the way home, could we turn this down just a little bit? Thank you. And on the way home, I was watching the most incredible lightning show I think I've ever seen. Anybody see that one on Tuesday? It was a beautiful show. And there was this one huge lightning bolt that it was like went up miles in the sky, and it just stayed there for seconds. It was just like there, there, there. And I'm like, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Until I realized Wednesday morning that I think it was the one that maybe hit this campus and fried tens, many tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. And so, yeah, that is absolutely true. And the guys who do the technical IT stuff here at TVC at the Hastings campus have worked so hard to even make this weekend possible. We had no lights in this auditorium. We had nothing. And I think we ought to say thank you to them. Yeah. Pretty amazing. And we're still, as the weekend goes on, we're still finding things that we didn't know were fried. And it's amazing. Our phone system, just so many things. It's like just incredible. All right. So story over. I'm going to, this is the official start to my talk now. All right. So I want to start by asking you a question. How good's your eyesight? How good is your vision? So like, I'll give you a scale on a scale of one to 10. So if one is like, you're just totally blind, you can't see it all. Everything's black. And 10 is you are better than 2020 vision. What number are you? On 1 to 10, what is your eyesight? Think of that number and then turn to the person next to you and tell them. All our campuses, turn to the person next to you and tell them, what number is your eyesight? I told you just say a number, not to talk about it. All right, I know some of you are saying you can't see that well. Did we have anybody? I'm just curious about this. Did we have any here in Hastings? Did we have any tens? Anybody say they were a ten? They have better than 2020. I see one. That's a gift. That is an incredible gift to have great eyesight. Those of you who said five and below, I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand. I'm just going to say I'm the blurry blob on the screen. All right. And maybe it's okay that you can't see. Well, some things are better not to see anyhow. The truth is, it's amazing to me the differences that we have in our vision. And of course, it's not just our physical sight, but there's more than that. There's what you actually see with your eyes, what you perceive that you see with your eyes. And oftentimes that can be, you know, you see one thing, somebody else sees the same thing, but they see something different. You all have been those. In fact, I've got some pictures just to kind of exemplify this. So let's bring up that first picture and we'll put it up on the screen. What do you see here? Just tell the person next to you what you see right here. What is this a picture of? Now, many of you would say it's probably something taken from a space station of Earth, and and it's a beautiful picture, and it's a remarkable picture. But can I tell you what this picture actually is? It is the picture of a roof of a car, the roof of a car that has frost on it. Now, is that amazing or what? All right, let's look at another picture. Here's another one. What do you think this is? Tell the person next to you what you think this is, okay? Now, I know many of you are probably going to say, this is an island in the ocean somewhere, and it's a beautiful place, maybe in the Bahamas or, you know, whatever. But actually what this is, is a moss-covered rock sticking up through ice. Is that amazing or what? All right, let's try another one. This one's an easy one. Um, Some of you see a person holding an apple, and some of you see an ornery, angry cat. 
Probably all of you see that. All right, let's look at the next one. Now, how many of you see, I'm just going to ask this, and you can raise your hands at all our campuses. How many of you see a woman's face? Would you lift your hand? You see a woman's face. Okay. How many of you see a saxophone player? Would you lift your hand? Very different. See, a lot of you saw one thing, but you didn't see the other. And this is exactly how it works. Our vision, it's one thing to have eyesight. It's another thing, actually, it's funny how we can see and yet not see. So in Scripture, there's a story of a man who was born blind. So he was blind from birth. He never saw anything. The only time he would ever know what anything looked like is if someone described it to him. And he has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus heals him. And now he can see. And very shortly after that, he has an encounter with some other people who had eyesight, but in many ways were blind. See, this guy was healed on the Sabbath day, and the religious people of those days, they had all these little, little tiny rules that had to be followed to observe the Sabbath. And Jesus had told this guy to go wash his eyes in a river, and they found this guy doing it. And now he can see he's had this miracle, but they're so angry, and they're so upset that they're raking this guy over the coals, and then they're raking Jesus over the coals to him. And they actually say, this Jesus is a sinner. And I love this guy's response. Take a look at this verse. It's in John chapter 9. He says, I love, he says, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now, say it with me, I see. I see. It's like he's saying to these guys, are you that dumb? Do you not see that there's a miracle that's happened right here in front of you? But they didn't. They were blind to it. And they missed this beautiful, amazing thing. But this guy, Could you imagine what it'd be like to have been born blind, become an adult, your whole life you've never seen, and suddenly everything you've had described to you, everything you wondered about, you could see it. He must have been like a sponge soaking up everything in wonder. It's all, look, that's what a tree looks like. That's what, oh, you are more beautiful than I ever thought. It must have been an amazing experience for him. But of course, those of us who have sight know that probably wouldn't be that long before there'd be some things he'd want to close his eyes to. Some things he wouldn't want to see. Something that causes discomfort or dis-ease on the inside, and he would not want to look at it. He'd he'd not want to see. He'd, He'd just close his eyes or look away. Of course, we all do that. All of us have times where we close our eyes. I mean, really, it's a natural thing. You're in distress. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're stressed by something and, 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 and upset. And so you'll go, oh, you close your eyes. You're in pain. Oh, I hurt my finger. You close your eyes. And when you think about this, it's really interesting because why do you do that? I mean, really, why do you do that? You just closed off one of the greatest gifts you have to a connection with the world in that moment. You just, just like, oh, you know, you close your eyes and you just shut off your connection to the world in that regard. Why would you do that? I'm not sure why we do that, but we all do this. And even when we don't physically close our eyes, when we look at certain things or when certain things trouble us or bother us, we will look away. We will avert our eyes. We'll look in a different direction. So here's another question for you. What things do you close your eyes to? What things do you close your eyes to? I was thinking about this for myself. And uh, I I started realizing there's a lot of things I close my eyes to or look away from. You know, I just can't stand to look at it. I'll, I'll give you one for you. I'll give you a couple. 
And the first one sounds, you know, pretty bad, but uh, I, I, I sometimes find myself looking away when people have young children and they don't help them behave. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And they're in the room and you think, you need to put that kid in timeout or beat him or whatever it is you do for your kid to discipline because this kid is acting terrible. But they're just like, la, la, la. The parent is la, la, la. Not just the kid behaving badly. And sometimes I'll find myself, I just, it's like I have to, I have to look away because I want to grab the kid, you know, <laughs> and that would be inappropriate. So I find myself, I just, I close my eyes to it. Here, here's another one. This, this sounds even worse. Old people's feet. Now, I know there's some irony in all that. I understand that. This is years, years and years ago. We, we were on vacation, family vacation, and um, we'd gone up to Maine, and we were at like this lumberjack event. It was really cool. But I'm sitting there, and I looked next to me, and there's this older gentleman, and he, is, he was real old, relatively. I mean, even at 62, this guy was really old. And I looked down, and he had open-toed sandals on. And that's when I realized there should be a law against that because his toes look like gnarled, broken roots coming out of a tree stump. And I was like both mesmerized and repelled at the same time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like you're looking at it and go, oh, and you look away because it's so terrible. And I realized the irony in it because now I'm old. I take my shoes off and I'm like, oh, I look away myself, you know. What kind of things do you look away from? I remember um, I was with a guy. We had gone to a ball game. And we were in, it was a professional game, so it was in one of those big stadiums where there's like thousands of cars, and when the game's over, everybody wants to leave at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? And it's just like, ah, you know, you know, all in and, and everything, and people are so trying to get out of there. And this guy, he was amazing. And we were out of there in no time, and I was like, we're, we're going down the highway, and I just looked at him, and I was like, dude, you knew how to get through all that. And he looked at me, and he said, the key is you never make eye contact. And he's dead serious. He's dead serious. He said, because then they become human. So you don't look at them and you can just run right in front of them because there's, you can't see their emotion. You can't know it. So just never, I learned something great that day. Never just avert your eyes from people don't look at them and then you can run them over. It's all right. And as crazy as that sounds, though, I think you know this is true. We do that. We do that. Maybe we do it with different things. Maybe it's with the poor, with somebody who's sleeping on a street corner, and you walk by them, and you avert your eyes. Maybe it's someone who's sick or different or makes you uncomfortable, but we do this. We don't make eye contact because then, of course, then they become human, and so we use selective vision and we look away. And I could be wrong on this. I know that. But I think you'd be surprised how much you do it. Unconsciously sometimes. But I think you'd be surprised at how much you close your eyes, you avert your eyes, you look away. And we don't see people. Jesus actually confronted people over this. Is, this is what he writes, and this is Mark chapter 8. He says, do you ha-, he asks a rhetorical question. Do you have eyes but fail to see? And the answer to that question would be, yes. Yes, we do. We have eyes, but sometimes we just close them. The obvious problem, of course, with this is that we start, when we avert our eyes, we start to miss 
what we really need to see. Because if I make eye contact with this person, you know, they'll become human and then I have to engage with them. And for whatever reason, now, and, and don't look at me like you're innocent, all right? Because everybody knows what I'm talking about. You're in a store and you see somebody in the store and you're like, oh Lord, come on, is that true? It's like, I do not want to see them. So you avert your eyes because then it doesn't become human. And for whatever reason, you're in a hurry or they just drive you nuts or they just talk and they won't ever shut up. You turn your head and you look away so that you do not see them. And, and then, and I want you to hear this now. And it doesn't happen every time. But then we avert our eyes. And it's very possible we miss a divinely orchestrated encounter where we could impact someone's life and we could be blessed by that change by just listening to them or talking to them. But see, we turn our eyes and we miss it. And we do this. We do this. We go through our days sometimes with our eyes more averted, more closed than we can ever even imagine. We do this. I think, actually, this is why some people avoid groups and serving in church. They avoid life groups. You know, we talk about this all the time. A life group can be such a powerful thing in your life. Serving is such a good thing. But people will hear it and they'll nod their heads, but they avert their eyes because they think, this is going to cost me too much. I don't have time. I don't, I don't want to sit around with people and talk about how I feel. You know, I, all these things, all these reasons. And so we avert our eyes. We look away And we miss the potential to be incredibly blessed. And I'm just saying here on this one, man. Some things you don't want to miss. Some things you don't want to avert your eyes from. Some things you don't want to close your eyes. And I understand you can't engage with everything all the time. You can't look and make eye contact with every human being that you bump into when you're in a busy place or a store. You're walking through Walmart. You know, people, they'll throw you out if you're like locking eyes with everybody. And hi, you know, they'll think you're, you know, weird or something. You can't do it all. I get that. But I'll tell you something. I think the problem is is that sometimes we're not choosing wisely what we close our eyes to. Are you basing it on what really counts in life, what really matters, or on how you feel in the moment and a little discomfort? Do you look at or look away things based on what is right and what is best and what God may be speaking or on how you feel on the inside? Are our eyes wide open to the things that really matter. Because as I've been saying, I think we can go through our days with 20-20 vision, better than 20-20 vision, and miss all kinds of things that count. Stuff that matters. I mean, Jesus nails this so beautifully. At one point, this is, I, I love this scripture, Luke six forty one. Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, <coughs> excuse me, and pay No attention to the plank in your own eye. That's pretty powerful. Would you agree? Okay, so I wear contacts. And even with my contacts in, my eyesight is just not all that great anymore. But I find it amazing how good I am at seeing specks. Anybody with me on that? And missing planks in my own eye. It's amazing how we do that. And the key behind this all is really, we have to ask ourselves this question. 
Am I choosing what I open my eyes to and close my eyes to wisely? And so over the coming five weeks, in this series that we're starting this weekend called Eyes Wide Open, we're going to be talking about the things that we really need to keep our eyes open to, the things that really matter, the things that are supremely important. And this weekend, I want to start with one that is the single most important thing that you will ever see and you should not close your eyes to. You should have eyes wide open. And that is God. So here's my question for you. Can you make this statement right here, this statement? I see God. Can you make that statement? Can you say you see God? I think this is a really good question to ask. And let's be clear. You can't really, I don't know how to say it. You can't physically see God. I understand you're not physically seeing God. I understand you're not seeing him with these eyes. But you can still see him. Amen, Christ followers? You may not physically see him, but you can still see him. Peter actually addressed this. This is in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. He says, you haven't seen him with your eyes, but you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you, you, you don't see him in front of you standing there right now. He said, you believe in him and you're filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. You haven't seen God, he says, but you see him. You see him. If you're looking. So let me say, I can make this statement. I see God. Just like the people that Peter was talking to, I see God. Not physically, but I see him all over the place. I see his hand at work. I see his mercy. I see his grace. I see his love. I see God. Anybody else with me that sees God? Anybody see God? I see him all the time. And then... I don't. And it's not because God says, I got to run, I got an appointment, I'll be back in 30 minutes. It's because I get caught up in some emotion, something happening in my life, something that's difficult and painful and a struggle, and I get all caught up in that stuff, and then my vision narrows down, and I'm only seeing that thing, and I'm angry, or I'm resentful, or I'm frustrated, or I feel like I've been cheated, or something bad has happened, and all I see is that, and I don't see God. Y'all with me now, right? I don't see him. He's there. He's there. But I stopped seeing him. Selective eyesight kicks in. And then it's like, like he's not there, but he is. Of course he is. He's omnipresent. And I know some of you may argue that and say, I'm not sure that I believe God is or that he's around, or that he cares, or whatever. I, I, I understand all that. But as followers of Christ, we absolutely know he's always there. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, as surely as I am, and surely I am with you, what? What? Say it again. Which means, always. Surely, he says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He is with us. Whether you see him or not, God is present. But the difference is, is that when you see him, it changes everything. And it is a choice that we have. It's not that God isn't there. It's that we don't see him. And we can blame it on God. And sometimes we do. It's like, God doesn't. Why doesn't he show up? Why doesn't he do something? Why doesn't he? And I think we can do that. Or maybe we could take some ownership. And say, maybe I haven't been looking for God. 
Maybe my eyes have been averted, my eyes have been closed. I remember a, a magnet that was on my mom's refrigerator for so many years, and it's been burned into my consciousness. And this is what it said. If you feel far from God, guess who moved? It wasn't God because sure, he said, surely I am with you what? Always. Always. It wasn't God that moved. He's here. He's with us right now in this place. He's here. He's in Delton. He's in Middleville. He's with us wherever we go. Whatever's happening, he's with us. And that's profoundly important. And people, I think sometimes we miss him. Because our eyes are not wide open to him. And maybe we should be saying, I think I have to own some of this. I just sometimes, I don't see God. And I'm not blaming him because he's there. It's because I'm I'm not looking. Jesus said it this way. Look at this is in Revelations. He said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and, and does what? Opens the door. If you hear my voice, he says, and open the door. I'll come in and I'll eat with that person and they with me. It's like he's saying, I'm here. I'm here. I am with you. I am with you right now. I'm here. Open the door. See me, look for me. And when we do, and I can just speak from personal experience on this, when I see God, it changes everything from my perspective. That thing, you know, at work that's driving you nuts, that concern that you feel so anxious over, that you feel so frustrated about, that person in your class that seems to be picking on you all the time and you wish they would just die or something or get get kicked out of school or whatever because they deserve it. All those things, when you see God in light of Him, they never look as big. They actually look much smaller because you realize how big God is and how amazing He is and how good He is. And you realize this thing is not that big a deal. God's still on the throne. They aren't. I'm not. It's going to be okay. Amen? And that happens when you see God. It changes the texture and the taste and the feel and, and everything, the smell of life around you. When you see God, things are not as overwhelming. I mean, honestly, you realize that when God is there, the things that have consumed your brain. I'm worried. What's going to happen? How is this going to work? How am I going to take care of that? It's no big deal. I'm telling you, I don't see God nearly as much as I want to. And I'm not the answer man in all this. I don't have it figured out perfectly. But I will tell you, when I see him, it changes my perspective on life. I find that I have more joy. I find that giants grow smaller. Joy grows bigger. When I see him, not physically with these eyes, but when I see him at work. And of course, some of you may be saying, you know, so so then what does that mean? You know, how do I see God? Because because you're talking about seeing God. I've I've never seen him. I don't know how to see him. How do what what I and again, I'm no expert in this. But I'll give you a couple thoughts, some things just to work on, and you can do with them what you like. But if you want to see God. I think the first thing is, is that you have to look for him. Let's just be clear on this. This is where I think many people, they make this mistake. They say, well, if God wants to show up, then he will. And if he doesn't, he won't. Okay, here's the news. God has showed up. Surely I am with you. Always. So he showed up. But you don't see him. 
What I'm talking about is active. It's even aggressive. You're looking for him. You're going after him. Jesus made this statement from the Gospels, Matthew chapter 7. He said, ask and it will be given. You seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now, it's interesting. Jesus didn't say, it'll be given to you. You'll find. The door will be opened to you. He said, first, you have to ask. You have to knock. You have to seek. You have to look for him. And you know this is true. You know you have to open your eyes wide and pay attention. I mean, now there are laws against distracted driving, right? Because it's so important that when you're driving, you have your eyes wide open, baby. Not on your phone, not on something else, but you're looking. And this is, I mean, maybe this is me. Maybe you're different than me. But I think this is one of the big issues. We're... We're not looking for him. Here's the interesting thing that I've found in my life about looking for God. You have a choice. What I know about God is he will not push himself on you. He will not push himself in your life. He is there. But you choose. Will I look for him? Will I see him? And this is what I found in my life. The more I look for him, the more I see him. It's crazy how that works. The more I look for him, the more I see him. Because he's already there. He loves us. He wants to be seen by us. He really does. He wants to be found. And the more I look, the more I see him. Now, often when I'm looking for him, what I see sometimes are more signs of his handiwork. I'll see things and I'll go, oh, that's amazing. And I'll see God's handiwork. I'll see him at work. And I follow those leads. And when I do, it's like he comes into focus. Again, not in these eyes but I'm aware of his presence. I'm aware of his love. When I look for him, I may not see him physically, but I see him and I know he's there. You know, sometimes I'll come home and I don't know if Ann's home or not. You know, I'm not sure, you know, is she in the house or not? And I'll come in and then I'll see where she's kicked her shoes off and I'll see where she set down her, her uh, briefcase and then I'll see maybe her purse on the steps and I'll go up the stairs and I'll go to her office door and step around and look and there she is and I knew she was there because I saw the signs of her all over the house and I don't mean that in a bad way all right if you look for God you will see him you will see him my office here at the Hastings campus sits in such a way, and I have a, like a corner office, I guess because I'm a big shot, you know, but I have it like the corner office, and, and I can see both sunrises and sunsets, depending, I, I, generally it's going to be sunrises for me because I'm an early riser, but I can see both of them. And I cannot tell you how many times the sun rises, and I realize I never even saw it. It was right next to my window. All I had to do was just like that, and it happened, and I didn't see it. But then sometimes... I'll see it and I'm stunned by it. I, this last week, I saw the sunrise and I took a picture of it. I ran out and took a picture of it. And I think we have that picture. That was just this last week. And it was this amazing thing. And you know, when I take pictures like this, what I do is I always do. I actually did this uh, just recently when I was on a walk. I saw two fawns by the road. So I took a picture and I did what I always do with these pictures is I texted it to my wife. And these kind of pictures, I almost always will add something 
that have to do with this verse in Psalms 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the skies proclaim His his hands or His handiwork. In other words, if you look around, you will see God's signs everywhere. Amen, Christians? You'll see Him everywhere. But you have to be looking. You have to choose to look for Him even in the difficult times, even when it's hard. I'll tell you an attitude that I've been trying to carry, and I'm not all successful with this, but I'm working on this one, is no matter what's happening in my life, no matter what's going on around me, I want to just be saying, what are you up to here, God? What are you up to here, God? I don't understand why this is. I don't understand how this is going. I don't like what this is. But what are you up to here, God? And this is something I'm trying to do and that I find when I do it, I start looking for His hand. I start looking for His voice. I start listening. I I look for Him. And then I see Him. So first, number one, look for him. And then number two, you, you have to open the door. So there's a difference between these, all right? You may be looking for God, but Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens the door, this is literally what he said, you are the tender of the door. I'm here. I'm here. I'm out here. Open up. But you are the tender of the door. And you know what the door is, of course. The door is you. The door is where you are saying to God, I'm not sure how this is going. I don't like how this is feeling. I'm not sure what's happening here. But I am open to you. You speak to me. You show me what you want me to do. This day's going pretty great. So I want to just stop and be open and say thank you for all you're doing for me. And whatever it is, I'm going to open myself up. I not only look for him, but I open the door. I open my heart up to him and I say, I'm here. I'm here. I want to be engaged with you, God. I want to hear what you have to say. You know, I, I, th- I think I'm probably right on this. I think all of us run at times. We do. We get stressed. You know, something bad happens at work or something upsets you at home or somebody does something. And this is what we do. We'll run. Now, not physically necessarily run. We run generally from that to something that makes us comfortable. These could be called escapist activities. So for some people, it might be watching TV. For some people, it might be eating. For some people, it's both those things together. For some people, it's reading a novel. For some people, it's, it's playing video games. Some of us will just dive into work so hard that when we come home at night, we're so exhausted, we just collapse over into bed and we sleep. And we are running from this Whatever it is. And I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. I don't even know for sure most of the time. What I do know is, is that all of us do it. And this is what I'm learning. That when I find myself in that place where I'm moving away from something towards something that brings me comfort, I just want to open myself up to God even in that moment. At all times, I want to open myself up to God. Even if I think I'm in the wrong, even if I think I'm behaving badly or I'm doing, I want to open myself up and just say, here I am and be honest with it. Because here's the deal. You can't hide from God anyhow. He sees the darkest corners of your heart. He sees the good, the bad, the ugly. And this is something I have not figured out in all my years of life and following Christ. And he still loves me anyhow. I don't get that, but it's true and it's amazing. Amen? He already sees you. It's not like you can hide from God. 
So even in the dark corners, even in the difficult places in your life, even in the places where you don't even like you at the time, open up to God and just say, here I am. And I know this is wrong, but here I am. This is, I have found that when I do that, there's something healing and powerful that happens. I talked about this last weekend for those who heard the talk. If you didn't, you might want to listen to the podcast or watch it online. I talked, one of the points I brought up was just be kind to yourself. You know what I'm learning is that God sees me and knows me and has this amazing love for me anyway. And it's like I'm relearning it, I guess. And that I just open up and say, I'm a mess right now. I'm a wreck. I'm, I'm mad and I don't feel like forgiving. Anybody ever feel those feelings? No. Liar. But here I am. Here I am. And there's something that happens there when I'm looking for him and then I open myself up. Something dynamic happens. Is that I'm being kind to myself even when I don't like myself. Because God loves me. So I just open my heart to that. You know, there's this obscure little book in the Old Testament and a few verses in there that have really been speaking to me lately. And these are from Habakkuk chapter Three, and we'll put them up on the screen. Habakkuk is a, a frustrated guy, and we'll talk about that in a second, but this is what he writes. I love these verses. He says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God my Savior. Now, if you were to speak this this metaphor, in today's language, it might be something like, though my income isn't what I hoped it'd be, and it looks like we may lose the house, though my health isn't what I had dreamed it would be, and and I'm not doing very good these days, though my marriage feels like it's in a shambles, and I'm not even sure we're going to make it in our marriage, though this relationship with one of my children seems to be broken beyond repair, though all that or any of those things are happening, still... I will give thanks to God for who he is and praise him and express my love to him and tell him that I trust him because this is what I know. This is temporary. This I don't even understand. But God is forever. He is eternal and he loves me where I am. And so even though it's fallen apart, yet will I praise him. And of course, this is exactly what was happening with Habakkuk. He was frustrated with the way things are going. He did not think they should be that way. He wasn't even happy with God. It didn't look like he wanted it to look. If you go back and read this small book, you see that. But this is what this guy does, and I love this. He says, even though everything's going to heck in a handbasket, I will still I will still acknowledge that God is God and I am not, and I will still give him thanks and I will still give him praise, and I will do this because that's how you open your heart to God. See, sometimes you're in a place where you have prayed and you have prayed and you have prayed until you feel like your tongue is going to fall out and it's like God doesn't seem to be answering. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like nothing that I want is happening. It's all just terrible. And sometimes in those places we start to question, is God even there? Is He real? Does He care? 
And I've talked about this before. See, we don't know everything God knows. We don't understand it all. And so this is what we do. Is even when we feel angry and we feel like, I don't know where you're at, we grab a hold of him and we hang on. It may all fall apart, but I'm still going to thank God and give him praise. It may feel like everything's turning to garbage. But I will still give thanks to him and I will still praise him. And when we do that, we open the door. I'm telling you, you try this. Even when you're dark, you look for God. When you're dark, you listen. You're going to hear it. Hey, man, I'm here. Still here. Still here. Still ready to come in. Just open up. Open the door. And we do that. And then we see Him. And then when we see Him, it changes everything. Now, that doesn't mean we still won't have pain. We still won't have struggles. We still won't feel dark sometimes and all that stuff. But what it means is that in the light of God, those things are not nearly as big. And joy is deeper and joy is stronger and it is greater. Amen? Even though it falls apart, I will still give Him thanks. I will still praise Him. I will follow Him. And I don't know where you're at with that. I realize, you know, every weekend we have people that come, they don't know if they even believe in God. But sometimes I think we feel this thing inside. It's like, I don't know what it is, but I think maybe there might be something there. I have this sense that God maybe is speaking to me, but I don't even know what to do. This is the beauty of God's love is you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all together. You just open yourself up and say, I want to follow you. I will follow you. I give you my heart. That's all you have to do. And if you've never done that, you can do that today in Delton, in Middleville, in Hastings, online. You can do that right now. And we'll pray in just a second. You just give yourself to him. Or maybe you need to come back to him. Maybe you realize you hear the knock. I'm still here. I'm still here. You kind of wandered away. But I never left you. And it's time to recommit your life to Christ. And if you pray and do either of those, I would challenge you then fill out one of those connection cards in the seat back in front of you. Again, all our campuses, you can drop it in the bucket that you'll see that you'll pass on your way out. There's a place I recommitted my life to Christ and made the decision to give my life to Christ. Whichever one you did, you can do that. So now at all our campuses, let's bow our heads. And this is all you do. You just say, God, you, you can tell him, I don't even understand it all. I do not have it figured out. But I ask you to come in and take charge of my life. I give you my life. Just say it to him. I give you my life. I give you my heart. Come in, take charge of my life. I cannot do it without you. I only make a mess of it. In your own words, just tell him, I give you my life. If you mean that, if you mean that, you tell him, I mean it, God. I'm opening the door. 
I don't have it all figured out, but I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to walk with you. I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God. Just say those words. Talk to Him. And if you prayed that simple prayer, everything changes. And God, now we lift up every person at all our campuses who prayed that prayer in whatever words they used, who made the decision to follow you or come back and recommit their life to you. We pray your blessing on them. And then in the days and weeks to come, they would not be able to turn in any direction, but they can't see signs of you in your hand. And that they would be able to say, with so many other followers of Christ, I see God. And for all those who made decisions for Christ, all of us say, yay God. Thank God for what he's done. Yay God. If that was you, if you lifted your hand or... uh, uh, you didn't lift your hand. I didn't ask you to. If you, if you prayed that prayer, if you recommitted your life to Christ, we'd love to have you get this seven basics book. You can text for it. You can go out to the next step area. It's right out in the lobby. And we'd also love to have you check out our Explore God groups. They're good groups. They meet, it's just like a four-week period. They meet on a Sunday morning. Go to church. Go to group. It's a really cool thing. And grow that relationship with Christ. So those are available. Let's stand to our feet, and uh, we'll be done on this holiday weekend. And I know it's warm in here because another thing that got fried was the air conditioning. Isn't that awesome? What a week. God, now, may your hand and blessing be on each person here. And may they walk out of this place with a renewed commitment to see you, to look for you, and open the door of their hearts. And we trust you to do it in Jesus' name. Let's say it together. Amen. Amen.